This is the Land Legacy Podcast, brought to you by Whitetail Properties Real Estate. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your weekly resource for habitat management, wildlife management, and recreational real estate. We hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome back to another Land and Legacy podcast. It's your host, Matt Dye, and I've got um, Land and Legacy consultant Brady Bradley on the line with me. Brady, how are you? I'm doing great, Matt. Wonderful, it's wonderful. Great. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a good day to be deer hunter um, if you're able to get out of bed because we're recording this the day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> I know a lot of people probably ate their weight and food, <laughs> just maybe not that motivated to get up and get out. <laughs> Just a little slower, yeah. And my uh, my camo is a little bit more snug this morning. <laughs> you you filled out those base layers real nice. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, well, before we jump into today's podcast, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, the folks over at Rolling Bones Outdoors, and um, they are in basically a huge guide um, booking agency and a um, ability for hunters to be able to manage their points. That is, that is what they do in their business. And, uh, Ab and I, and some of, several of our friends and many of our clients are getting set up and enrolled, um, with the folks at Rolling Bones to handle and manage that. Uh, the Western experiences are, are very difficult for, um, us to honestly wrap our head around and, and to be able to manage them and, um, have a lot of opportunity in the coming years. We look to Rolling Bones to handle that for us. And so we want to extend the opportunity to you guys as well and encourage you to check out landandlegacyhunts.rollingbonesoutfitters.com. That's landandlegacyhunts.rollingbonesoutfitters.com. We've got a kind of a strategy to go west in the September timeframe, in the next few years. And like I said, they're handling all the point systems for us, the registering, the management, and we're really thrilled and happy with um, the way that we've been treated and extend that opportunity out to you guys too to check check out all that Rolling Bones offered. And if you're wanting to go on any type of hunt, any type of adventure across this globe, they are the ones to book through. The relationships are, are definitely strong. They've got thousands of opportunities. Fishing, hunting, you name it. They've got it. So go check them out. All right, Brady. You ready to uh, to dive into this wonderful transition in the whitetail world? I'm ready, Matt. Ready. I, I love this time of the year. I know, you know, a lot of people just really crave that early November time frame, but... Mm-hmm. I've always said end of November is dynamite. It, if you, it really is, and and I don't know, I don't know why that oftentimes people just dismiss or forget about the post rut. Like I feel yeah. like so much weight and energy is applied to the whitetail during the first half of let's say this rutting type experience, right? Um, yes. Yeah. That late October, early November, till about the 15th, maybe 16th, 17th, 18th. And then it just kind of, the energy, it dies off. And maybe it's because 
you know, people are tired of getting up early. People are tired of putting in and grinding and trying to just, you know, have that success and find that success. But I think what's important, you know, during this podcast is to talk about, well, what can you expect? Why are we saying this time frame is so good? Like, what is there? What am I missing here? Um, Because there's so much opportunity that we can take advantage of during this November, let's say, let's just call it post-rut, late November. And and as we're setting this podcast up, we're definitely going to talk about the, the major shift and transition, though, too, of activity that is going to occur after the post-rut activity subsides and, and how to best prepare yourself from not only like a land management type scenario, but just from a hunting scenario, too, of um, what transitions do we need to be thinking of and considering this post-rut into more of a late-season back into food strategy. So you said you love this time of year. Is there is there hunts, Brady, that come to mind or or uh, encounters that come to mind where you're like, man, that was late November and I just know what I see on camera or, or again, those specific observations that you've had that just says, I really like this time. <laughs> you know, it seems for me in the years past, I've had the majority of my luck in at the end of November, mm-hmm. uh, you know, last year I shot my buck, you know, I think it was the 16th, 17th, right in the middle of that kind of the lockdown. He was locked down with the doe. Yeah. But previous years before that, I've had, like I said, most of my luck seeing mature deer on their feet during this time frame. I've killed a few bucks during this time frame and, and I've, I've been hunting this previous week and, you know, it took a few days off, spent some time with the family and mm-hmm. then, it seemed like, I don't know, about four days ago, our cameras just started blowing up. And yes. it was deer that we, deer that we hadn't even, ever, that we'd never seen before, mature mm-hmm. bucks. On, um, you know, at one, two in the afternoon, moving, chasing does. And and um, I think it was, uh, when was it? Wednesday evening, I went out. We had a little front pushing through. And, um, man, I, I got in the stand early. I just felt like it was going to be good. I got in the stand at one. Yep. And I wasn't in the stand ten minutes and started seeing bucks cruising nonstop. Ooh, yeah. And I mean, it was. I think by the end of the hunt, I had I had counted over fifteen different bucks. No kidding. That were that were just looking. You know, they yeah, were they yeah. were on their feet looking, and you know those last few does are still trickling in, and those bucks they're wanting to find them. Yeah, I I think what. <clears throat> what people have to remember with the whole rut is, and and everyone's heard, you know, Oh, it's the bell shaped curve. And that's all very factual. That's true. That is the way this thing pans out. There's a spectrum, right? And we see all sorts of activity. um, And and then we experienced a lockdown, but we have to remember that the lockdown is the center of that bell shaped curve. So, so much energy. Let's say this. I think that 80% or let's maybe call it 75% of bow hunters place all their energy on the first 50% of the rut activity and then forego the post rut. And so the second wave or the second half of all that rutting activity, which falls on the right side of that bell shaped curve, there's 25% of pressure. And I'm like, 
guys, we need to balance this thing out because opportunity is is, is there to be more successful. And and perhaps it's because, right, the first half is a, is a great time to be um, in the yep. woods, right? There's more deer oh, that haven't yeah. been harvested. Yeah. And, and so, so there's more to encounter out there. Um, some states, of course, right. You, there's a, there's a one buck limit. So, you know, you shoot one, if you shoot it early, you're done and you're sitting out. But this time frame, I'm holding on to a buck tag. You've got a buck tag in Kansas and Missouri. Um, and then chainsaw Chad's got a buck tag and now it's time to get right back into the groove of things and kind of step it into high gear. And I, I think that <clears throat> what you saw and talked about there is is what exactly occurs. Those deer that have made it through the rut, those deer, like, for instance, Missouri's gun season just closed. It's We're recording this on a Friday. It closed on Tuesday. So we've already had our firearm season. It's done over with, but about the end of um the firearm season is when and that's just it's not because of pressure or anything like that it's just the 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 biology and and what happens during the rut starting to see scrapes open back up the the more predictability of deer patterns because cameras are over known cruising locations and trails and, and and some of those scrapes i'm seeing bucks like on more frequent basis cruising and um yeah i sat i didn't sit i was yesterday was thanksgiving i sat wednesday morning and had a great three-year-old boom cruise just do what normally they do um i started seeing does and fawns back together a lot of times during the peak of the rut you're gonna see those fawns wandering off or you know all by themselves and uh you know maybe a doe or two by themselves and, and so they're they're getting let's say that grouping back together but bucks are still pursuing so it's a mirror image of what occurs the first week and a half to two weeks of november but now now no one seems to be caring or hunting and i just i just hopefully this is an encouraging thought of guys it's it's not it's not over or perhaps you can prepare better for next year and say you know I am going to put a little bit more faith and stock into that post rut type activity and not grind it so hard during the first part of November, but balance some of my time out because, um, things do change, you know, throughout the rut, a lot of deer bucks are, are moving and covering a lot more ground again during this time frame, similar to what you'll see, but perhaps it's different ground, right? So yeah. I've had some deer show up on, uh, at least that I'm like, I, I haven't had that deer yet this year. Like that one, that one's a new one. Um, you've seen that, and and it's yeah. it's it's encouraging again to see. Wow, this spike of activity is. Um, I, I need I, I need to be out there. I need to be a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. So no, I, I, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I was just gonna say I think you're absolutely right. This time of the year is just. I've always said, you know, hunting hunting Kansas the past four years. I don't ever really hunt early mm-hmm. because I look forward to this time of the year so much just because you never really know what's going to happen this this for sure end of November time frame. It's it's just always been my favorite time to hunt. People kind of look at me like I'm crazy, but unless you get out and experience it and you and you really you know, you just 
you just watch your cameras blow up this time of the year. Mm-hmm. But you hunt the right areas and you have a little bit of luck. Then you start realizing, man, this is, it can be just as beneficial hunting this time of the year as it is first, first week and a half of November. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I did. I went out this morning. Um, I saw two young bucks just after daylight got set up and, um, they were sliding through, not, they weren't cruising. They were just moving through the timber. And then yep. later on, like right after that happened, I looked back and to my left cause I was trying to self film and got twisted up like a pretzel in a tree. Like you always do when you self film. And so I, I moved a, you know, a decent amount and I looked back over my left shoulder and kind of back behind me, the complete 180 from where those other two bucks were, um, which were just both yearlings, I see a big-bodied deer and not an incredibly attractive rack. I was like, I don't know if that deer's mature, if he's broken up, or what he's got going on. But all I could do is just like, I already had the camera kind of panning that way, is just focus it in and not move. So I'm trying to film behind me, but my back's to the deer, so I can't really see the, the viewfinder that well. It was, again... It, it, it was, uh, I was twisted up like a pretzel. And so I yeah. just can sit there, but he, he saw me moving for sure. Didn't smell me, stood there for probably two, three minutes, just locked on me, ears twitching, trying to figure out, if, you know, any, anything, hear anything. And then he just turned around and walked back down the ridge where he came from. Um, ended up, I, I did get a better view inside profile. It was a, a three and a half year old, but for that instance, I hadn't had that deer on camera, to my knowledge, um, since early November. Like, it was just this cold yep. spell, and it's not because the deer wasn't there or not because the deer wasn't moving or anything nocturnal-wise. just because they were just literally – a deer trail doesn't mean much at all during that, that, you know, second week of November and whatnot. They are just yeah. everywhere. All over the place. All yeah. over it. And so it was like, oh, well, hey, I'm glad that deer made it through. Sorry I was shifting around the tree. I would have liked to have gotten a better encounter with it. <laughs> but but that happens, and I, I, I think it's just – I share that to say it's important to, like, the deer that you were seeing, that frequency – during that November, early November time frame, that's again a, a mirror image of what we're looking at: getting back on their feet, cruising, and covering, covering that ground just like we would. So don't miss out on it, and consider sp- spreading the wealth of time and that availability um, out into later portions of November. That post rut activity. Sometimes yeah. it's Thanksgiving gets in the way, right? Holidays. Um, it makes it, it makes it way more challenging, but if you do have the time and the ability, definitely don't, don't just discount it. And, and again, I'm sitting here in Missouri, three, four days post gun season where we've had this just fury of activity of hunters in the woods and pressure and this and that still seeing deer move and they're blowing it up on camera. So it, you know, we can attribute and think how much pressure changes stuff and whatnot. But like if you hunt your property, right. Or like I didn't hunt that property during gun season, I just stayed out. This is what you can't expect. And and that's for me in Missouri. So other States like Kansas or Ohio, 
they haven't even had a gun season yet to to experience maybe the the bulk of hunting pressure or human intrusion in the woods. So just don't wish this time away if you're a bow hunter looking to have rut activity. It's here. You know, the other the other thing, Brady, that we're getting ready to transition into. Because let's say the post rut, when, when would you when would you say like you start seeing that seeking phase really kind of like tail off? What what date range would you give for that post rut activity that that you've seen on cameras and observations? Yeah, I mean, I would I'd venture to say somewhere around the first of December, mm-hmm. just because I. You know, that's when the Kansas gun hunt is, and it seems like uh, I've never hunted the Kansas gun hunt. It's always been with a bow. Yep. But it, it always seems like during that time frame, they kind of transition to more of a food to bed. Um, that's that's kind of what they're searching for. The bucks are really starting to think about food and trying to recover from the, from the month and a half long, you know, that they've been running around like crazy. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I'm uh, definitely agree with you on that. Is that December one kind of time frame? It it seems to be that that is when that activity just let's say falls off. And I'm not gonna say it's necessarily a sharp fall off, but it definitely yeah. begins to decrease. Um, you know, at a at a, a pretty rapid rate. Fifth <clears throat> of October, I mean, excuse me, fifth of December. Sure, you can still certainly see some some cruising or or heavy scraping activity um but it's yep. just not going to be as frequent as you know the the 21st through the through the 30th of november Absolutely. yeah so no, i agree that when when it comes to understanding then this transition of post rut into december what is it that you would do different or that changes that you would make to whether it's trail cameras to your hunting strategy to try and still be in the game for that shift into December type deer activity. One, what are they doing and how are you trying to get ahead of that and, and anticipate it? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, this time of the year, you know, if I do have a little bit of time, especially with my cameras, you know, this morning I, I had to, to run over to a property and, and move a camera around, but what, I, I typically try to start putting them over food right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, know that, I know that they're still, you know, still scraping, still, still, you know, looking for those last does, but just to try to get ahead of the game, that way you can really see that shift, you know, here around yes. the next week and a half, you'll already be ahead of it. You're not out there scrambling to do it then. You're not chasing um, that activity, right? You're not realizing, oh man, I'm just not getting them here. Let me let yeah. me just experiment and put them in the food. Well, no, we know they're going to go to the food. Oh yeah, they're going. Yeah, yeah, they've got to go to it. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I just you know I'm still right now in this phase, still kind of hunting those transition areas, still you know lingering around those bedding bedding areas. You can yep. still get away with that, especially you know they're still up on their feet looking. But but once that transition occurs i try to stay away from those areas mm-hmm. you know let the deer feel comfortable in those areas um they're going to be in there a little bit longer than they would be say right now right now they're getting pushed around non-stop yeah and you can sneak into some of those areas sure but here in the here in the next 
you know, two weeks, that pushing is going to subside a little bit and they're going to be spending a little bit more time in there. You don't want to go in there and kind of blow out your best spots. Yep. Yep. That consistency of secure betting becomes really important when we're talking about hunting a bed to food type pattern like we do during early season we really respect the bedroom we don't go in there you're generally hunting a transition from bed to food or you're just hunting over food and so now i think i think you're you're dead on and that's what i'm really preparing for and let's say i'm hedging bets and putting a lot of stock into um the property that my house sits on, Elam Ridge, that we heard us talk about in the podcast, compared to where I hunted at this morning, the in past couple mornings, um, the lease, which is just down the road, these two properties are just totally different. And um, the way that they hunt and the, their peak time frames. So I'm recording this, looking at my office window, and I've got like four to four and a half acres of food, a newly seeded alfalfa field mixed with uh, wheat, and then it's kind of surrounded by Braska's turnips or the legacy blend by Stratton. And so there's a lot of food, and I've never had that much food on this place. And as you guys probably have followed along, like this fall was not a good food plot growing season. I got extremely lucky on timing and got it in just before we started getting the rains and it was able to survive through it. And then finally in mid-October, we got more rain and it livened right back up. And it's it's a lot of food. And, it, you know, some, some people, you know, for respective areas or whatnot, they say, well, four and a half acres, that's not that much. But for this region, this area, it's a lot. So it's going to have an, it's going to have an impact, right? Yes. And so what I did or chose to do um so like in Missouri if you have a gun tag you only you can only kill one buck with a gun period whether it's late muzzle loader or it's your firearm tag so instead of hunting with a rifle i said you know what or during that time frame cuz even if you hunt with a bow during the firearm season you have to use your firearm tag so what i did was say i'm not really going to hunt during rifle season cuz i want a late muzzler tag. I want that extended range come, um, you know, late December, early January. Cause when it gets cold here, I, I got the food and we're going to see this big transition of deer activity hitting this food. And, and I've got great deer on camera through October and November. And when things settle down, if they've made it through the gun season, I have my best opportunities there. So I've really kind of been, hands off and tried to play the patient game because I know this transition is coming and and maybe some of those deer got harvested. Maybe they don't come back. That's a risk for sure. But I know compared to the fact that there's very little red oak acorns, there's very, uh, very little um, any other food plots around that have this amount of food Ah, uh, and and the white oaks are pretty much spoiled by now. We're I'm going to see and experience on this place a lot of deer just start piling in. The cameras are kind of showing that, even though we're in the post rut, I'm starting to see quite a bit more activity showing back up. And I'm like, okay, well, 
this is hopefully going to pan out. But I'm anticipating not only just with trail cameras and how I'm monitoring what's happening out there, I'm doing that preemptively with like a tag situation, right? So it's just knowing ahead of time this behavior that we're going to see and the needs and requirements of deer during each time frame of the season. And so, like I said, I might not encounter what I need to or have that daylight experience during late season, but I know I didn't have that great opportunities during the rut here on this place to to hunt those deer specifically they just didn't daylight and though okay that happens this is a big feeding area opposed to the other farm that's a big rut area so just trying to balance those things out um, between you know hunting opportunities and the way properties are going to set up better the way deer use them throughout a season because Brady I know you've seen it on stuff that you've hunted but we can do habitat manipulation and habitat management to, let's say, make the time frames of properties where they shine, like all the other time frames, we can strengthen them up and address the low points and, and make it hunt a little bit more balanced opportunity-wise yeah. throughout a given season. But there are still time frames that no matter how much habitat management you do, that property is still going to shine during that time frame. And yeah. so... Any any properties that that Kansas piece that you hunt, um, is there a time frame where it's like this is just when it lights up and we 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 know that this is our time to shine here and we kind of embrace it instead of be frustrated by it you just embrace it and you hunt it during that time frame. Yeah, you know we've talked about that uh, where I hunt over in Kansas before. It's it's crazy. It's such a great much habitat work on it and you think i mean you hit it right i mean every property is a little bit different the, the deer are going to use them when they want to use them mm-hmm. and the farm i hunt in kansas it's it's one of those farms that you step on and you're like man there's going to be a big buck shot off this farm it's just it's it's an amazing farm but it seems like early season on that property is it's it's odd that we just don't have the amount of deer on it mm-hmm. that our do. And it's not that we're in there, you know, pressuring it or anything. We don't step foot on it after, you know, second week of August. Yep. And, and it's just every year, early seasons is not very good. But when that, when that shift occurs about the second week of October, it just, it just lights up. Mm-hmm. And from then till now is just, it's just full board. I mean, Gang you just busters. never, you never know what's going to walk in front of you. Right. And you know, the property, it's got, it's got multiple Creek systems running through it. So it's, it's, it's just a big highway system for yeah. the deer. Big corridors. And, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's why, you know, I'm able to go out and see, you know, 15 bucks cruising, you yeah. know, just look, because, because, that's that's the corridor, the areas that they're looking for those mm-hmm. does. And um, I, I think that speaks volumes to like, I guess what I said previously is fact of habitat manipulation isn't going to change the fact that those corridors are present on that property. Yeah. If you add okay. cover, it's only going to make it better. But even if Absolutely. you didn't have cover, deer would still be transitioning 
throughout that property because it lies and falls in, uh, along or has interior a lot of those corridors that deer are just naturally going to move during the rut, pre-rut, post-rut activity. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of it's kind of funny because you know we've got a great relationship with our neighbors. Mm-hmm. They for a few years they'd always joke like, well, you know this we get this buck on camera, and my buddy would always seem to shoot it, and they you know he'd go and hunt for a day or two and end up killing it. Yeah, but you know, early season they you know we we shared trail camera pictures between there's a few thousand acres total between us, and and we just shared trail camera pictures. And we would never get any of these bucks on camera, but we'd always say, you know, well, well, that one's going to move over. They do every mm-hmm. year. Yeah. That's always how it occurs. They get them, they'll, they'll get them all the way through velvet. And even, you know, in the past few years, it seems like the big bucks that they wanted, as soon as they shed their velvet, they're gone. Uh-huh. And they're getting pictures of them. But really that, that first or second week of October, but it, it's just kind of funny because, they'll be sending us pictures talking about deer and, but at the same time, they're like, well, we know this deer is going to move over. Yeah. If we, if we don't get him now, we probably, we probably won't. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And it, it, sometimes it's just automatic. They just, they just do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this year, this year is a little bit different given the, you know, you talked about, you know, lack of rain. We mm-hmm. just, We've had the, that farm is even hunted completely different this year because it's not that we've ever relied on our food plots, Mm -hmm. but we've always had multiple food plots on the property, Yep. but we knew how the deer used the property because of those food plots. You know, bucks would check certain areas because of those plots. That's where the does would be. Mm -hmm. Well, plots this year were essentially obsolete. We didn't get any rain area. We planted it. I don't think it rained for month at oh, least wow. yeah and so i mean our our food plots are, are just bare so mm-hmm. we've had to we've had to really you know focus on those you know those corridors and we've sure. had a lot of really good hunts we hadn't harvested any bucks this year off of it but mm-hmm. we've had a lot of really good bucks and we've seen you know a lot of good deer and good hunts but you know it's just just a little bit different but yeah i mean sure. the, the dry grass kind of we've had to we've had to change it up <laughs> it impacts things man it really does and and that's why like you guys probably won't have much late season food there to hunt over is that correct yeah i mean you know we've got we've got a few acres of standing crops that, okay. that did way decent but got it but still they didn't even they didn't do that great you sure. know and, and you know what's crazy is you know, we've got a lot of stands that where we've got to cross creeks and it goes to show you how much water we don't have. Oh, yeah. We usually have to wear waders to get to some of our stands. And this year we can walk in, you know, just lace up boots. Oh, man. And it's it's just crazy. So, I mean, the yeah. deer, you know, they, they've got to drink somewhere. So yep. they're having other water sources in the area. So, I mean, it's just changed our whole way of hunting this year. Absolutely. That's that's a huge change and, and you got to be willing to to move um with those changes to be successful yeah. um but it is good to know though too that hey you're still having good hunts and, and that's what oh yeah i think a lot of people kind of goes back to a podcast i just did with kyle hedges a couple weeks ago of like you know feeling pressure of um you know not harvesting or something like that i 
I'm I'm judging a season or like let's say the stand decisions that I'm going on. Like, am I making good sound decisions when I'm hunting? And I base yeah. that total off on off of observations and not whether I've harvested a deer or not. So, you know, just f- even though you're in a really good area, there's a, there's a lot of good bucks in it. Just because you haven't put an arrow in, in one or the, the landowner hasn't put an arrow in one, doesn't mean that you're that you're doing things wrong. Your your observations, yeah. whether you're seeing bucks cruising, um, you know, on a consistent basis, the number of them. Well, the yeah. activity that you're witnessing that says way more than whether you killed one or not. Because absolutely, if you hunted the rut, <clears throat> it could just be um, you know, a a random, a freak thing that hey, out a doe just blew through here and he came chased her and that was it. But if yeah. you're witnessing con- that consistency of activity and and the seeking and the chasing, um, and not just the randomized parts it's just a matter of time essentially is what i'm trying to say that hey you'll encounter what you need to encounter because you're in the right places yeah and you know for me for me i'm you know you know just like you i'm kind of a deer nerd so just getting out and being able to see them do what they what they want to do anyway you know and not feeling pressure and and just seeking and eating and and chasing i mean to me that's just that's just a cherry on top if you get a, if you get a bug, but e- yeah. even just doing that is it's never a bad day of hunting. No, you know? it's not. <laughs> it's really not. Um, so so what does uh, we talked about post post rut and how a lot of people just dismiss the post rut and don't pursue it and and, and think it's not nearly as good as early November and blah blah blah. What are your thoughts? or the general consensus consensus of deer hunters for December, like the whole month of December. Um, Cause I know what I experience and what I hear a lot of people discussing. What's your, what's your thought from most deer hunters in December? You mean, as far as like uh, what, what are, what are other people saying? Yeah. Like, what do you think? Do you think a lot of people put in effort? Do you think they miss opportunities? Do you like what's what's your what's your thought process in the way that most deer hunters operate in the month of December? I think it kind of depends on you know I, I've hunted I've hunted from South Arkansas all the way up you know up here in Missouri and Kansas and it seemed like it seemed like when you get past November in Arkansas um, at, at least where I was it kind of just shut down you know uh-huh. there wasn't a ton of thing. But the further north you go, everyone's just duck hunting. Yeah, everyone's just duck hunting. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, but now I think the further north you go, it seems. Um, when I say you know further north, I, I know here a lot of people. There's still a lot of emphasis, you know, in that December time frame because people, you know, especially here in Kansas, gun season's in December. Yeah, you got the food. You're gonna have some good hunts, and and sure. even later here, if you have the food. You can really, um, really do good. Now, I talk to a lot of people that hunt Iowa, mm-hmm. and them they say my favorite time to hunt is late December. You know that one of the muzzleloader hunts, late muzzleloader season. Yeah, because because it just seems like deer just pile out and pile yes. out. You know, and I think if you hang in there, if you have the food on the property, if you if you've hunted your property the right way, I mean. 
I think it's just as good of time frame to hunt as November. Yeah. I, mean, I, I enjoy I enjoy hunting it. I love hunting, you know, um, late December. Yep. Or, or into December. I think I think it it's easier. It's more accommodating for the deer hunter. Like I don't think like, oh. there's as much of a grind. I think that you can almost kind of no. go back to you know, weather patterns and anticipating the cold fronts, get ahead of the cold fronts. If they're harsh, cold fronts, hunt the back end of cold fronts when the sun wants to shine again and deer just get on their feet. Those, those days where it's super, super nasty cold and really windy, I see deer bedded down a lot, but on the back end of that front, they've, they've pushed through it. They haven't fed a lot. They feed really hard. And I think, December or December in a lot of people's mind is is very similar to that post rut. It's just it's dismissed, and I think yeah. I think a lot of it comes down to are you prepared for December or are you not? Like, did you do the work? Yeah. During the off season to prepare you for December. If you did, then then you're golden. If you got yeah. that food, if you have. This, this larger food source that's going to accommodate a lot of mouths piling in and feeding heavily, then you can do amazing. Generally, mornings, because there's heavy frosts, I don't really hunt those food sources. Um, yeah. It's a lot of times just an evening game and getting out early, slipping into a blind, and letting that activity come towards you. Um, that's the general that's the general way December's hunted. But, you know, even in timber country around here, if you have those larger destination food plots, Seth Harker loves December and had killed a pile of deer in the month of December with a bow. Um, just because again, that preparation met opportunity, um, when time was taken to establish those big, large destination feeding areas. And so if that's you, there is so much of season left. There is so much opportunity. I hope my decisions, let's say, to not pursue uh, super hard right here at the house will pay off in in the December months. Um, And especially if we get the weather. Sometimes, you know, this, this far south in Missouri, it can be just mild. We don't have those harsh cold fronts that come in like you might see in the north missouri or a kansas or or an iowa wisconsin type situation but if we get cold blast it's good and it could be really really good we're you know sometimes we're over a over a month and a half away from um you know gun season so that pressure there's no residual pressure from from people um in, in that time frame so whatever survived and pushed through gun season you've got really good opportunities to, to get on them. So this is that time frame. Hunt that post rut. As soon as November starts to close down and that rut um, the activity subside, switch your gears and start thinking south-facing slopes. Start thinking thermal cover. Start thinking food, large destination food plots. And regardless... Uh, really a time of season, whether it's early season, mid or late, I'm having cameras generally over scrapes, but on specifically on those large destination food plots, if you've got known scrape scrape limbs, excuse me, put your cameras on them, 
but face them out towards the field. So you get yeah. a picture of who works that scrape because deer are going to work scrapes all the way through December. If there's a little flurry of, you know, fawns coming into estrus, um, you're going to see big deer starting to hit those scrapes and work them and work them heavy. There's so much socialization of bucks kind of their, their testosterone's decreased a little bit and they're kind of bachelor grouping back up. So there's a lot of interaction there. Still some displays of some dominance that occurs. So I keep cameras on scrapes, but I really make sure I monitor and put on time-lapse what's occurring in and beyond that scrape. What's happening in the background? Are deer getting there at 3.30? Is it 4.30? When's the field filling up? Am I going to see eight does or am I going to see 20? Yeah. No, I think I think you hit it just right. Playing those weather those weather fronts is is a must, you know, that time of the year. I think back to a, a hunt. Oh goodness. It's probably been five years now, um, in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, it might not be that long, but we were coming up from Arkansas and, and we knew we were hitting it just before a big front was coming. Right. And we knew we had food, you know, we had really good food that year. And it was actually the gun. It was still the gun hunt. I remember it was the last day of Kansas gun season. And, man, we, we got in the blind, and it was just the night. If, if there was a big buck going to be killed, it was going to be that night. Temperatures yeah. dropped degrees. Oof. It was spit snow. You know, it was just – it was a brutal night. And luckily, we were, in a, we were in a blind. And, you know, like just like you were hoping – here came a big buck. You know, I never got a shot at him, but it was one of the biggest bucks I've ever seen. And it's like, man, but you know, you mentioned hunting the front and the backside of those fronts. Well, we ended up getting, I think seven inches of snow and oh, we hunted wow. three more days Yeah, and hardly saw a deer uh-huh. over the days. You know, it was brutally cold. We we're hunting over standing grain. You figured that they'd just be out there just, yep. just but they weren't, you know, they were hunkered down. And then as soon as we left, you know, we had to get back. The sun came out and warmed up a little bit. And they oh, were everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> it's it's almost like frustrating and aggravating because, you know, I grew up thinking, right, the, the more extreme the weather was yeah. going to be, the more extreme the movement I was going to see. And that's yeah. just not the case. When, when there's extreme temperatures, a lot of times, yeah, deer will bed up. If there's really stiff winds, deer will bed up. And I say that depending on your location, right? Some deer out in the plains, they just don't care if it's blowing 30 or 35. They're just doing their thing because they're so used to it. But a lot of other portions of the country, that wind puts them them, uh, on the ground bedded. And so I love the back end of a a sustained, like if it's a three-day big cold front, that pushes in, you got some moisture, whether it is rain, snow, ice, doesn't really matter. As soon as you see that 40-degree day and blue, clear Uh skies, high pressure, get out there. They are going to move like crazy, move early, feed heavy, replenish the the energy, the caloric intake is going to go up to to, um, compensate for what they weren't doing when they are bedded down, and that's feeding. And so... I love, love those days, and I, I'm very fortunate <clears throat> um, this year to be going back up to Iowa. I hunted there last year during their second shotgun season, and uh, we'll be headed back up that same time frame. 
the amount of deer and bucks that are on one of the parcels that <clears throat> will be hunting, um, it's silly. And so I'm going to be watching for that. I, I think it's about a week time frame that the second shotgun season runs for. But what time frame as we're approaching that, does the weather really change? Will I be driving yep. up <clears throat> in a snowstorm to hunt the backside of it? You know, I, I don't know yet, but I'm going to be watching those time frames to see, okay, when are deer going to be bedded <clears throat> during those weeks, during that week, excuse me, but then most importantly, when they're going to be on their feet. So I know how to schedule, you know, time up there appropriately, but without a doubt, mid-December, definitely a heavy bed to food pattern, but <clears throat> I've also seen, saw some of the last year, um, very much still some attention on does, some scraping activity. So that's what I like about late season is if you have that food, you can experience some really cool deer behavior um, during daylight hours. When you think everything's just nocturnal, yeah, it's probably not. People people do that a lot during September and October. It's not nocturnal movement, even though the day is so short. There's so much activity and behavior, cool deer behavior that occurs in December. So don't miss those opportunities if you're a deer hunter thinking well november's kind of <clears throat> kind of coming to an end uh, i guess uh my deer season's coming to an end yeah there's a lot of season left brady there is oh oh yeah there is i've got i've got tags still in my pocket and i i know that there's a lot of season left mm-hmm. what what does what is a what does missouri look like for you for the rest of the season. Are you going to be hunting that much or, or focusing a lot of time on Kansas? Probably. Well, for me, you know, like this weekend, I hunted this morning mm-hmm. um, that the pushed through yesterday and I wasn't going to it. And, uh, <laughs> um, but I know this evening I'm taking my daughter out you know, the youth weekend, Missouri, the second. Yeah. So trying to get her, trying to get her, her first deer. She's had, kind of a rough year but for me i'm i'm planning on spending a little bit more time in kansas it's mm-hmm. hard for me you know it's i i've got to draw a kansas tag and i don't oh, have yeah. to draw them. <laughs> it's hard for me to to eat a kansas tag <laughs> that's exactly right i was hoping I'm, you'd say that <laughs> yeah so i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna spend a little bit more time there obviously not hunt too much you know yep. my, my, he's still got a tag and he doesn't get he, he lives a little bit further away than I do, so he didn't get to hunt as much as me. So Sure. But, yeah, I'm going to hopefully spend some time there. You know, I, we're still going to hunt Missouri. Cajun, my wife, she's still she's still hard after him. She hadn't got one down. And so, it's we you know, we we take turns. But mm-hmm. we've, we're hunting a new farm in Missouri this year. And really, you know, this is kind of our learning year. What are these yes. deer doing? Mm-hmm. And it's around it you know there's crops everywhere um so we're just having to luckily we've got the bedding so Ooh, nice we, we just had to figure out what crops they're using for sure for sure nice but now <clears throat> i mean i there's still a lot of season left like you said but yeah my focus is going to be hopefully getting a mature bug down in kansas my my standards may be a little bit lower you know maybe <laughs> maybe maybe it's not a a big mature buck as long as it's just a mature buck. <laughs> yeah, I get it. And that's the thing with Kansas. <clears throat> I see it in Kentucky. I see it in Ohio. The one buck states, a lot of times there's a lot of a lot of mature deer who may not be the top caliber deer, 
that um, they just kind of keep getting the pass. They keep keep getting the pass, yeah. and they're turning to those bullies. And um, yeah. yeah, late season is a good time <laughs> to take some of those out. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I love if it's mature. I it, it, it's probably got some crosshairs or or a sight on him. Absolutely, that's that's where I'm at. Right, that is where I'm at. We kind of get greedy. We start seeing that you know some of the mature, bigger bucks early in the year, and then we don't. Yeah. Get a shot at them, and then it's like, oh man, I really want to fill my tag. Well, you know, it's true. <laughs> lower quality bucks, maybe I would be happy with one, but I was just a little bit greedy. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> for sure. Well, I think uh, you know, wrapping this thing up, the big the, the big take home points are, guys, if you're if you have tags, <clears throat> you have time. Number one, don't forget about this this next week week and a half left of november it is a prime time i shouldn't say week and a half it's really just a week left yeah take take the time to hunt it hunt it out and then make that transition to for what late season is going to be maybe it's not a large destination food plot maybe in your area you do have um red oak acorns maybe you do have late dropping mass producing trees or it's it's uh late dropping persimmons perhaps it's um just clover in a pasture field whatever the case may be find the food resource identify it for this year not what has been in the past because everyone's dealt with drought the changing of Mm -hmm. mass production this and that find out what it's going to be and be prepared watch the weather and know that December provides a lot of awesome opportunities for yes. those looking to get out and still fill tags. So, yeah, man, any other closing words from you, Brady? Oh man, I don't think so. I'm just, I'm just excited that there's still some season left. Yes, <laughs> me too. Still season. <clears throat> That's exactly. You're excited right. to get to Iowa. I'm excited to see how you see how it goes. I know it's going to be great. I hope so. I've, I've been getting uh, a lot of a lot of um, updates still on some um, Cuddy Link home cameras awesome. up there, and they've been blowing up the last couple of days. I mean, <clears throat> that farm um, in particular, not very big, but it lays great. It's got a lot of great cover, and you could see that lull of uh, rut activity, but really yeah. the last couple of days, I mean, daylight just cruising hard. And a couple new deer haven't seen in the past just show up and yeah, really some eye catchers. It's like, all right, <clears throat> you hang around for late season. Yeah. I promise you I won't let you walk out of that field or I'll exactly. do my darndest. I'll at least do my darndest. So, no, I'm <laughs> looking forward to trouble. it. That's yeah. awesome. <clears throat> well, as always, guys, we, we appreciate you listening. Hopefully that gives you some, some more encouragement and understanding of what to expect in uh, in the deer world. Um, in your area, but most importantly, the biology of the animal and how we can use that uh, to better hunting, better observations, and our management in in the years to come. So um, appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll we'll catch you back here next week. Yep.